Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. The title of my message this evening is Spiritual Understanding. Spiritual understanding. And it's important that we understand that our Christian walk, our Christian life involves a whole lot more than just getting saved, getting our needs met, and then moving to heaven. Did you figure out it's a whole lot more than that? Have you been saved? Are you glad he's meeting your needs? Aren't you glad that one day you're going to be in heaven? But our Christian walk is a whole lot more than that. Yes, it involves him saving us. But I'll tell you what, that it involves him entering into us as his very temple. He fills us with his presence. He fills us with his power. He fills us with his glory. He fills us with his love. We become the vessel that he wants us to be. He changes us by his spirit. See, it's all about knowing him intimately and personally. It's about knowing the Father as Jehovah God, our covenant-keeping God, our loving Heavenly Father. It's about knowing the Lord our shepherd, the Lord our righteousness, and the Lord our healer, the Lord our deliverer. It's all those wonderful names that He has revealed Himself to us as. Like our great shepherd of the sheep, He's Jehovah uh, Makedesh, the Lord our sanctification and sanctifier. He is Jehovah Jireh. He provides for us. We know that. But He's also the Lord, our banner, Jehovah Nissi. He defends us. He fights for us. He protects us. And it's not just that we're learning those words and they're just empty phrases, but we really know Him as the one who protects us. You know, when you know Him that way, you can stand before a burning, fiery furnace like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and say, Go ahead, throw us in. Our God will get us out. It's that simple. What God can deliver like that? Ours can. Don't know about yours, O king, but ours can. I know, I know that your figure's not going to get me out. I will not bend. I will not bow. I will not burn because I know my Father. I know the living God. That's how he wants us to be, that we know him. We know that we know that we know him. See, it's about knowing Jesus, knowing all of redemption, knowing what he did for us, the shedding of his precious blood. It's not just something that we learn. It's not just like a fairy tale like some people think and some people believe. You know, Andrew just shared with me, he said he told one of his friends at school, and he said about some things about Jesus. And his friend said to him, Jesus isn't real. And Andrew says, oh, yes, he is. I saw him. But that doesn't mean he'll believe that. People will believe what they want to believe. But, beloved, I tell you what, Jesus is real. He's a Savior. He's a healer. He's, a, praise God, a Redeemer. Baptizer with Holy Ghost fire. It's getting filled with God. It's getting full of God. It's the Holy Spirit coming in and conforming us to the image of Jesus and transforming our lives. It is the love of God entering into our being, diffused by the Holy Spirit that does what? Enables God to love others through us. Beloved, I'll tell you what. When we see people every day of our lives, and you're walking around, whether it's a mall, whether it's a store, wherever, shopping, grocery store, whatever, gas station, just, just stop and take a look and realize, God, you love them so much. You love them so much, and you want me to be the vessel through which you love them. You want to fill me so much with your love and give me a revelation of your love for those people. They may be doing things that you detest, but you know, that doesn't matter. God still loves them, cares about them so much. His compassions fail not, and they're over all of his works. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Not just our hope of glory, but that person's hope of glory as well. See, it's coming into us and making us his dwelling place and making us his home, transforming our lives until we become vessels of honor. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning at verse 19. But in the great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself of these from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet or prepared for the master's use and prepared for every good work. Don't you want to be known as that vessel of honor? You're prepared for the master's work. In other words, you say, Heavenly Father, here I am. Holy Spirit, take me, mold me, shape me, make me, 
Whatever it is that you need to do in me, do in me. I want to be that vessel of honor. I want to be the person he wants me to be everywhere I go so that people can see the light of your love in and through my life. I want my light to shine among men that they see my good works and glorify you, my Father in heaven. Spiritual understanding is so important, but I do believe that this next segment here is of utmost importance and we can never overemphasize it when it comes to understanding spiritual things. And that's called the triunity of man. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And it says, And the very God of peace sanctify you, not partially, but wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice how Paul is praying for them to have a revelation of their tripart being. Man is a triunity. He is a tripart being. Spirit, soul, and body. And he wants every part of our being to be sanctified or set apart and preserved unto the coming of our Lord. And what that means is that the spirit of man needs to be born again. The soul of man needs to be renewed. And we'll talk about these in a moment. And the body of man needs to be crucified or kept under. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8, we are told the spirit and soul cannot be separated. But the spirit and soul can be separated from the body. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. To have an understanding of who we are and how God wants to work in our lives, this is essential. It's important to know that man being a tripart being, spirit, soul, and body, cannot be separated except for a spirit and soul from the body. And when a person dies, his body goes back to the dust of the earth, but his spirit and soul go to be one of two places, the present heaven or the present hell. And it helps us better understand how we can grow spiritually. It also teaches us how we can walk in the fullness of who we are in Christ. Spirit, soul, and body. The spirit contacts the spiritual world. The soul contacts the intellectual world. Mind, will, emotions, intellect. The physical body contacts the physical realm or the physical world that we live in. And the apostle Paul made it very clear that this is like a tent that we live in. This is a house that we live in. And it can fall away from us. But on the inside, praise God, we look so good on the inside it would be blinding to people. You realize that? Our physical body was stripped away. We'd be blinding to people. You've got the glory of God housed, housed on the inside of your physical being glory. Look at the Colossians chapter 1. Man fell, and when he fell, all three parts of his being were affected. Only through the blood of Jesus Christ and redemption can man be reconciled to God and spirit, soul, and body brought back to the place where God intended for it to be. Paul understood this, and Paul knew the importance of teaching it to the people. The church here at Colossae, here's what he says. This is his prayer. His prayer is not for their deliverance, not for their healing, not to provide for their uh, material needs, financial needs. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled, three things here, with the knowledge, number one, of his will, and all wisdom, number two, and spiritual understanding, number three. Notice knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, three important things. Why? And why does he want this? So that we can walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. God wants us to walk worthy of Him, but the only way we can is if we have an understanding of His will and the wisdom to walk it out or to, in, in a practical way, carry it out in our lives. Those three things are absolutely essential in order for us to understand spiritual things and to grow spiritually. And how many of you want to walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing? We want to please Him in every way, don't we? Praise God. That's exactly what we all should desire. Well, the spirit man needs to be recreated, born again. And that's the bottom line. That's where it all begins. Has your spirit been born again? Then you've got the life and nature of God in your spirit. And all that we're going to talk about involves this. You are in Christ. And in Christ, you have the divine nature. Your spirit has been recreated You've passed from death to life, and you are perfect in the sight of God in spirit. But even though we've been born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb, the soul of man is not affected by that. Man still thinks the way he thinks. He still reasons the way he reasons, and so on. 
So the soul of man needs to be renewed or restored. James talked about us being delivered from the corrupt way that we think. The people he addressed were thinking wrong. They thought God was their problem and he corrected them and instructed them in the truth. And said, look, it's God's not your problem at all. What your problem is, your wrong thinking. And when you get your thinking right and you get delivered from corrupt thinking, you're going to experience all the goodness of God. God's not the problem. He's the problem solver. Thank you for your participation. To be transformed, we need the Spirit. See, the, the flesh needs to be kept under or crucified. Did you know that flesh of yours wants to do its own thing, have its own way, act its own way, talk its own way? And you know what? Even though the spirit and soul cannot be separated, I'm telling you, this flesh is pulling on the soul at the reins of the soul, wanting us to think the way it wants us to think. You know why? Because the man on the inside, the spirit man before Christ was dead and in agreement with sin, was in agreement with everything that was evil, and it taught the flesh what is evil. And it made the flesh think, this is the right way to live. This is the right way to, be, to behave and to act. That's what the man on the inside who was dead to God taught this man on the outside. And man on the outside doesn't want to die, wants to live. And what's it trying to do? Get a hold of the reins of the soul and make us think that it's right through human, human reasoning, feelings, and emotions, and all that. Well, beloved, there's a warfare going on. We'll talk about that in a moment, too. But it's the Holy Spirit that reveals Jesus to us. It's the Holy Spirit who is involved in the earth right now to convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He is the one that draws us to Christ. He is the one that builds truth into our hearts and lives. He's the one that changes us from glory to glory as we look into the Word of God. And you know what? We should have a relationship with the Holy Spirit because this is His dispensation. And every day of our lives, it should be coming out of our hearts, our mouths. Holy Spirit of God, awaken me, help me, enlighten me, instruct me, build Jesus in me, reveal Jesus to me, show me, uh, comfort me, counsel me, help me. Be my advocate, intercessor, strengthener, and stand by. Holy Spirit of God, I thank you for taking me, praise God, and making me what the Father wants me to be. I yield myself. I surrender my heart. I surrender my ways. I surrender my all to you. Praise God. You know why? He wants us to walk in the image of Christ. That's exactly the way he wants us to walk. Walk in the image of Christ. Reflect who he is. As we live our lives upon the earth. Understanding spiritual death is your next. Anybody here want to be conformed and transformed? It takes the ministry of the Spirit to do that. And how? By the renewing of our minds. Our minds need desperately to be renewed. Look in Ephesians chapter 2. Again, we're talking about spiritual understanding. It is absolutely important and essential that we understand the nature, understand the nature of spiritual death. And you hath he quickened, which means made alive, who were dead. We were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in a time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom we whom also we all had our conversation or lifestyle in times past in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature notice nature children of wrath even as others that was our condition before Christ we were dead in spirit and our spirit being uh, basically alive to the devil full of the the nature of the enemy taught us what is wrong the way he wanted us to live and as a result, our minds were darkened. We lost the knowledge of God. Our flesh took over. And we actually think that what we feel is the right thing. And what we reason is the right thing. So you could say it this way, we're messed up. We were messed up. But when Christ came into our hearts, guess what? We got saved on the inside, but the outside still messed up. The way we think is still messed up. And that's why God gave us his word to renew our minds so that we can have a better understanding of how to walk by faith, live by faith, and honor him and take on his image. In John 8, 44, remember Jesus is not talking to bums on the street. He is talking to religious leaders, Pharisees, Sadducees, etc., etc. And what does he say in John 8, 44? You 
are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Which means he was a liar too. Because there is no truth in him. There is not an ounce of truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own. For he is a liar and the father of all lies. He's the originator of deception and lies. Well, you know what? Our sin nature cannot be changed through good works. This spiritual death that lodges itself in the heart of man cannot be eradicated or removed by religious acts, religious traditions. For example, when I was growing up in the faith that I was in at the time, there was a fear instilled within the parents' lives that if you don't baptize your baby as an infant, that baby will spend a lot of time or maybe an eternity in a place called limbo. Look it up. It's a place for unbaptized babies where they will spend an enormous amount of time who knows how much time or if they will ever, ever get out. And the thing was, you were fear-driven. I've heard of parents, I listened to them. We got we to get this done. We got to get this done. Why? Original sin. If they were to die in this original sin, that's it, man. We don't know what to think. We don't know where this child's going to go. Well, they should have asked me. I would have told them. You realize that? Babies die to go to heaven to be with Jesus. There's no such place called limbo. But you see, infant baptism was something that was preached and taught from a religious perspective to put fear in people's lives, making them think this had to be done in order for their child to be saved. And nothing could be further from the truth. You know why? Because we're saved by grace through faith. We're not saved by water baptism. Matter of fact, religious practices could never save us. Spiritual death cannot be removed any other way but by grace through faith. Look at Ephesians. Now go back to the same chapter 2, beginning at verse 4, and let's look at what he says. But God, we were dead now in trespasses and sins, and we were following by nature all the things that the enemy taught us. But God, oh hallelujah, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins. See, you were dead. I was dead while we were alive. We were dead spiritually while we were alive physically. Even we're dead in trespasses and sins, or dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with Christ, or made us alive with Christ. For by grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God before ordained that we should walk in them. And so what Paul goes on to say is you were dead spiritually, but you're no longer dead spiritually. As a matter of fact, now you're alive, you've been made alive with Christ, and because you've accepted him, he's alive on the inside of you, and your spirit man that was dead and apart from God has been reconciled to God, brought into harmony with God, and he put in your spirit his life, his nature, and his spirit. So on the inside, God sees every single one of us as perfect, and he calls us his masterpiece. Workmanship means masterpiece. We are his masterpiece. Think about that. His masterpiece. This was the greatest working of God's almighty power that he ever performed, be it creation, creating the universe, hanging the stars in the sky, or the vast regions of space. Doesn't matter what it is, whatever it is that he created, the greatest working of God's power was invested in you and invested in me. And to get us out of that place called spiritual death cost him the life of his son. And what a payment he paid for all of us. And when he washes us in the blood and cleanses us by the blood, you become a masterpiece of God. And for anyone to ever say, I'm not worthy, if I hear you, I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap. 
you are worthy. You're a child of the Most High God. His masterpiece. Praise God in Christ. You're perfect in every way. God doesn't see you as who you are in the flesh. He sees me 10 feet tall. Look at Colossians chapter 2 and verses 6 and 7. This is called, we walk by faith. This is the walk of faith. Are you ready for it? As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. How did you receive him? By grace through faith, right? So walk ye in him. The same way you received him, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. We received him by faith, and we walk by faith. In other words, we walk by who we are in him, not by who we were in the enemy. By who we are in him, not by what we've been taught outwardly. Not by this unrenewed mind that makes us reason things out and think things out. Not dictates of the flesh telling us what it wants us to do. Not even the devil, the word of the flesh can convince us of, of anything. We receive Christ by faith. We live by faith. We walk by faith by who we are in him or who he made us in him. Not by human reasonings, not by feelings, not by emotions. You know what? It's a sad scenario that most people in the body of Christ, they don't realize that or understand that. And they actually think that they are who they are on the outside and they don't know who they are on the inside. And so when a person gets up in the morning and all they feel like, I feel drab today, I feel down today, I feel depressed today and all, I just don't know what to do. I just feel anxious today and I feel worried and frustrated today and all that. Stop right there. Stop it right there. You're not walking by who you are in the spirit or in Christ, you're walking by who you are out here in the flesh, outwardly. The outward man is gaining control and ascendancy over the life. It's when those feelings emerge and rise up within us, and we reason within our hearts, you might not even know why you feel that way, but you feel that way, and so you feel that your feelings are real, and they may be real as far as a lower form of truth is concerned, but they're not real as far as God's concerned. That's not who you are. They don't identify you. They don't say who you are and how you should act and how you should talk. And so do we have to walk around saying that I'm so sad and I'm so depressed and I'm so anxious, I'm so oppressed and I don't know what I'm going to... You know what you do? Start saying who you are in Christ. Start identifying with who you really are in Christ. Why? Because that's what faith is. Faith says you are who he says you are, not who you say you are. Not who people say you are. Not who the devil says we are. We are who he says we are. And who are you? What are you? You are his masterpiece. You are his workmanship. He's the potter. You're the clay. He has shaped you beautifully. Molded you beautifully. He washed you in the blood of the Lamb, and you are spotless, unblameable, unreprovable in His sight. He sees you as perfection, praise God. That's who you are on the inside. Do you know what working out our own salvation means? Paul said it in, two, in uh, what Philippians 2.12. He said, not in my presence only, but even when I'm in my absence, work out your own salvation with what? Fear and trembling. Work out means it's in the inside, it's all there. It's a done deal. You've got the package deal. On the inside, you are who he says you are. You have what he says you have. You can do what he says you can do. And you know what he says you know. All that's on the inside of every single one of us. Self, salvation is there. Healing is there. Deliverance there. Victory is there. It's all on the inside. He says, now get it from the inside to the outside. Well, how am I going to do that? Through the renewed mind. Through the renewed mind. And we're going to see that in another verse. It's through the renewed mind. That we bring it from the inside to the outside by faith. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.13. We're not who the devil says we are. Or who we think we are. Or who people say we are. A lot of people let people kind of dominate their lives. And dictate their lives. And have really a cloud of oppression over their lives. Because man your hair doesn't look nice today. And your, your, your color of your makeup. A little, little funny there. Next thing you know, you're running out of here and going to the bathroom, look in the mirror and just say, we're so physically self-conscious. You need to stand there and just say, I'm not my makeup. I'm a child of God. I look so good. If I took all this outward man out, I'll tell you what, you'd be falling over from the glory of God. You have no idea what good, good looks are until you see me in Christ and you in Christ. See, the church, you ready for this, 
has run for spectacular and they've kind of aborted the supernatural. Listen, I'm going to meddle a little bit. Is that okay? If, if entertaining reasons, for example, why people aren't healed as being viable, it'll put a ceiling over the power of God that heals. And the person will never grow beyond that reason. Whatever that reason may be. It's not God's will to heal you because. It's not God's will to heal you because. You didn't get healed because. You didn't get Jesus never said that ever in all the Gospels. Never said that. But if you embrace that, you'll never grow beyond that reason. Never. We've got to give people truth. So you know what happens when people don't receive from God that way? They come up with all these doctrines. But guess what they'll do? And I, I, again, I pray I don't offend anybody. You can run across this altar. You can get out some flags and choreograph dances. And you can hoop and holler and shout and run and do all that you want to do. You can even create the presence of God, the anointing of God. And it could be right here in this place in a powerful way from all that we do. And worship and praise. Let me ask you a question before I say this. Who is the greatest carrier of God's power on earth? Not a trick question. Jesus. And do you know where Jesus was? There was power to deliver, heal, and set people free. But did you know it wasn't automatically manifested through his life? You know what it took to draw on it? Draw from it? Tell me what it took. Faith. And if they didn't go there by faith, the presence could be so profoundly manifested but it didn't matter. What I find to be true is that people are so caught up in the emotionalism of everything that they don't realize it takes faith to draw from the power of God. Beloved, it takes faith. I'm telling you right now, there's only one way. And he said, it's by faith that we draw from this power. The just shall live by faith. And James said it this way, if you don't act in faith, they don't think you're going to receive anything from God. I'm not against it. Hoop, holler, shout, hang from the chandeliers if you want. But when you hit the ground, praise God, there better be a foundation of the faith that you know who you are in Christ and what you have in redemption and that healing belongs to you and there's not a doubt in your mind that it is the will of God. Notice he said, be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I know it is His will for me to be whole. I'm not taking any excuses. I'm listening to anything, anything anybody else says. I know it. How do you know it? Because someone so told you? No, I picked up my Bible. I went to the Word of God. I went to the Spirit of God. And I said, Holy Spirit of God, show me. Teach me. Instruct me. Give me insight and understanding. I don't want to just know what it says. I want it built into my spirit, built into my soul, until I am so convinced, praise God, that everywhere I go, God loves you and wants you whole. Spirit, soul, and body. But what about this? doesn't matter. I'm so convinced of it. I'm passing it on to you. And whether I ever have it fulfilled in my life or not doesn't matter. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about what Jesus has already done, and it's so. We are the ones that can miss it along the way, but He can't. That's what faith is all about. All right. Where are we at? 2 Corinthians 4.13. Did we read that? We have the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believe, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. There's faith in a nutshell. I believe it, I say it. I believe it, and I say it. So when it comes to drawing from who we are in Christ, faith is required. I've got to declare it. I've got to first of all believe it. You know how many people, even if they've heard me say this, you're a masterpiece, would walk out that door and just say, eh, but they're so trained, so developed in looking in a mirror and seeing their flaws and their shortcomings and their failures and mistakes and all that. And maybe where they have a difficult time getting by. Because why? They're being bound by who they are in the flesh. God's not looking at who you are in the flesh. God sees you in Christ perfectly redeemed, delivered, set free, and made whole. He sees you walking in holiness and righteousness and truth. And you're unreprovable in His sight. You're unblameable in His sight. I'll tell you what, that's pretty good, wouldn't you say? He presents you to the Father unblameable, irreprovable in His sight. We need to talk like that about ourselves. And then when these feelings and emotions rise up and we look in the mirror and we kind of think that, oh, my life's not worth a whole lot and all that. Stop right there. What do you mean your life is not worth living? 
People say that all the time to me. My life's really nothing. It's not really worth living. It's not. The highest price ever paid for anything was paid for your life. Someone thinks it's valuable. Someone thinks it's presence. It's, it's, pre, it's precious. Amen. And he paid the price because he loves you and cares about you and sees you in that light. We need to believe it. We need to say it. We need to focus on who we are in Christ and start believing it from the heart and saying it with the mouth. I'm redeemed. And I'm not saying with arrogance or pride. With all humility. You know why? Because you had nothing to do with it. And neither did I. With all humility in Christ, praise God, I live. I move and have my being. In Christ, I am, He perfected me by His precious sacrifice and blood. In Christ, I am holy. I am righteous. Don't ever say you're not worthy. My goodness, the worth is beyond comprehension. Your worth, your value. You're a greater value than many sparrows. We know that. But it's His good pleasure to give you the kingdom, which He's already done. Oh, thank God for who we are in Him. Now, this law is a law just like natural laws. Gravity is a natural law. It's a spiritual law. And this is the law that we used to eradicate spiritual death from our being. In Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10. Oh, I'm, I, I know you know it. But let's read it. Verse 8 says, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in your mouth, in your heart, the word of faith that we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. With the heart man believes to righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Jesus, I need a Savior. I need a Redeemer. And I know you sacrificed your life for me. I've read through my scriptures. I've heard the preacher preach. And I find out I'm a sinner who needs to be saved by grace. So Jesus, I believe in your sacrifice. I believe in who you are. I believe you came from heaven. I believe you robed yourself in flesh. I believe you walked upon the earth like no man ever walked. I believe you went to a cross. I believe you suffered and died. I believe you rose up from the dead on the third day after paying the sacrifice for my sin, for my transgression. And I believe you took your blood. I believe you applied it to the heavenly uh, throne and I believe praise God that you obtained eternal redemption for me and right now I call upon your name Jesus come into me I receive you as my Savior and Lord and I thank you for redeeming me by your blood I call you my Savior I confess you as my Lord I'm going to tell everybody I'm going to shout it from the mountaintops my friends will know it people around me will know it because I believe in you you just apply the law of faith to work in your life the most wonderful mo the greatest most magnificent working of God's power in pulling your spirit from the miry clay of death and lifting you up and putting you in his kingdom and making you his son or his daughter and how did that happen by some water baptism mm -mm. by some good work no, by offerings? No, not at all. You couldn't do it that way. But by faith. Oh, you believed. You believed. Well, you know what? That's, that's not the end of it. We don't just get saved by faith. Look at 1 John 5, 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. That's a pretty big place. Wouldn't you say? What's he overcome? And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even your religion. Even though the money you have in your checking account. Even in your gifts to the poor. What overcomes the world? Our faith. Well, what's our faith in? You know, Jesus said in John 16, 33 in the Amplified Bible, he said he is deprived. Look, in the world you're going to have tribulation. He never said we're going to live our lives, cookie cutter lives, on a sea of glass with no wind blowing. He never said that. He said there'll be storms and there'll be tribulation. But be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. Well, what's that got to do with me, Jesus? You overcame the world. But I overcame it for you. 
So that you can use your faith in me and overcome it as well. So if you have faith in me, you too overcome the world. Whatever the world brings your way, don't stop talking about who you are, what you have, what you can do. Start talking about me. Start bragging on me. If you're going to brag, brag on who he is and what he has done for you. Start declaring it. Start decreeing it. And you know what? Spirit of God, this is your dispensation. Make it a reality in my life. Get thee behind me, devils and demons and all powers of darkness. Sickness and disease, I speak to you in Jesus' name. You can't stay. You've got to go. I'm telling you, praise God. And keep on doing it and saying it because that's how faith works until it becomes a reality. You know, Jesus is the one that taught this law in Mark 11, 23. You know, you might have to turn to that verse. You believe in your heart and you say with your mouth, you'll have whatever you say. And that's the law of faith. But what are we supposed to be saying? Who you are in Christ, what you have in Him. The love of God's been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost who's living on the inside of you. You've got the anointing of God from above. No man need, need no man teach you anything because you know by the Spirit of God and the things that you've learned by the Spirit of God. You've got the anointing on inside of you. You've got an impartation by the Spirit of God so that you can rise up to the place and overcome. It's all there. In Christ, we have it all. Praise God. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. This section is talking about spiritual warfare. And I really, really want to emphasize something here. You know, you go through a season, you go through a time in your life as you're growing spiritually. And there's a time in my life as I was growing up in the things of God. And I'll tell you what, I, I, I went through a time you're reading books about pigs in a, in a parlor. And you're reading about uh, all, all kind of extravagant, um, you know, um, deliverances and all that sort of thing. And what about this group that got army fatigues on? How many of you know that it's not the outside? They, they put on their army fatigues, and what they would do is they'd go to high places. They'd go in airplanes. They would, get, they would actually spend money on airplane rides to get up there in the heavenly so they can combat demons. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. They thought the higher up that they were, the more effective they would be in casting out devils and demons because that's where they're at. In other words, the whole concept of spiritual warfare was askew. I'm going to show you our true spiritual warfare so you're not deceived, I'm not deceived by it. You ready for it? Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, 17. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. The moment you said yes to Jesus, the moment you said yes to the Lord and he became your savior and you got born again, you know what happened? You entered a spiritual warfare. I'm telling you, what you and I did, we started a war with our flesh the moment we got born again. Think about it. You say, well, what about all these demons? We'll talk about that maybe a little more a little bit later. But all these demons, they're, they're not up there flying around there waiting for you to get into 747 or something. Not 737, don't do that. 747. They're not waiting for you to do that. See, the warfare is between the ears. Go back to the Garden of Eden and find out how it all began. It started right here. And these demons will use thoughts, they'll use words to point you in the direction of your flesh. That's really who you are. You're a nobody. Look at you, you can't control anything. Praise God. I think I've been attacked. I'm okay. All right. All right. Both want control. We're talking about the flesh wanting control and the spirit wanting control and the mind being in the middle. This mind's got to be renewed. Because if we're going to get what's on the inside to the outside, it's got to get through the renewed mind. And if we don't renew our minds, and if we don't build up who we are in Christ by getting our minds renewed in knowledge of Him, which is Christ who's in us, then the enemy is going to understand that. He's going to know that. And what's going to happen is he's going to rule our lives or control our lives like puppets on a string by putting thoughts into our mind. Look at Second Corinthians and we'll see what the true warfare is. Is this okay? Can you hear? Oh, okay. Very good. Look at what it says in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down what? What? Where's the warfare? 
in the mind. It's not demons flying around up there. No, the warfare is between the ears. It's Satan coming along and saying, Hath God said? But look at how you feel. You can't say you're redeemed. You probably committed the unpardonable, unforgivable sin. You know how many people warred with that? I'm so afraid, I'm so afraid. What are you afraid of? I may have committed the, un, 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 uh, the unpardonable sin. Well, what did you do? I sneezed too loud in church. Sneeze too loud in church? I'm only kidding, you know that. Well, I did something, I told a lie. Really? And you think you've committed the unpardonable sin because you told a lie? No, you're listening to the liar. And the liar is telling you you committed the unpardonable sin. And besides, if you committed it, you wouldn't be here talking to me. You'd be out there serving the devil more than you've ever served before. You'd be going crazy for the kingdom of darkness right now if you committed that sin. Because you would be completely abandoned of God if you did. So, no one has, that I know of has ever done that. Alright. Now, truth or deceptive lies. The choice is ours. We're to cast down all these imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, bring to captivity every thought. Everybody say every thought to the obedience of Christ. See, that's the warfare right there. Thoughts coming against our mind that do what? Speak against the Word of God, contradict the Word of God, that don't represent the Word of God, but yet we believe them because we feel that way. We reason that way. Our emotions are in agreement with it. Our emotions tell us that. And so as a result, we think we've got to be like this. There are people with legitimate anxieties, fears, worries, emotional issues, and all that. And once again, the help that we're trying to, they're trying to get is either from without, not realizing that they have a storehouse of help from within, if they would just realize that and start drawing from that and bring it from the inside to the outside. And guess what? Then when you feel depressed, when you get up in the morning, you're going to laugh so loud, so hard, the devil's going to think you're out of your mind. You know, he gets confused when we act like we're not supposed to act. You realize that? When he thinks we should be down depressed and just walking with our head hung, hung low and all that sort of thing, and we get and go, hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And, and he's, he's like, what, what? What's going on with him? What's going on with her? Every time I do this, I've got him like a puppet on a string. They're going to go crazy, go out of their mind. They're going to worry, have anxiety and all that. But, but look at, she's saying, oh my goodness, hallelujah, glory to God. I know that spirit's there. I know that cloud is there. Why are they acting that way? Because they finally found out who they are in Christ, that they've been delivered, and they're not controlled by their feelings and emotions or their reasonings anymore. That's why they can act that way. And guess what? It blows. You talk about a breakthrough. Don't wait for a breakthrough. Make one. I'm waiting for my breakthrough. Don't wait. Make one. Get a hold of the Word of God. Start declaring. Start de People don't need deliver. They need truth. Because Jesus said it's the knowledge of the truth that what? Makes us free. Let's start believing who we are in Christ and what we have in Him. Look at 3 John. Only one verse, or one chapter. So look at verses 3 and 4. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth. I love this. That is in me. See, it's truth. Not just in their head, but in them. Notice this. Even thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children get delivered every week. Uh-uh. What do they do? They walk in truth. Where are you going for a walk? Really, how far? Where are you going? I'm going for a walk in truth. I'm taking a walk in truth. I'm going to take a walk down the lane of truth. I'm going to walk in who I am in Him because that's ultimate truth. Sanctify them by thy truth, thy word is truth. And so since thy word is truth, guess what? I exalt the truth of, of God's word way above uh, the lies of the enemy. You know what Eve did in the very beginning? She stepped beyond the boundaries of truth. And when she took that step beyond the boundaries of truth, you know what she did? She disrobed herself of the image of God. And she clothed herself with the image of the devil. The image of the enemy. And from that point on with Adam and Eve, man began to reflect the image, not of God any longer, but the image of the enemy. You know, you and I were never created to reflect the image of the enemy. But you see, our flesh has, has really taught us and told us, oh, it's just a little lies, it's a little swearing, it's a little this, it's a little that. And, and listen to me. 
That's who you were. That's not who you are. Who you are is redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You are a child of God, an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus. You're more than a conqueror, world overcomer by your faith. You are in Him, and in Him you live and move and have your being. And the one on the inside, praise God, is greater than the one on the outside. He wants us to reflect His image here upon the earth. God made man in His own image and likeness. Why? So He can rule as an underruler upon the earth and reflect His image. You know what? As I began this message with this, you talk about rising up, going higher and higher and higher. This is what's going to enable us to do it. Salvation is not just about being saved, getting our knees met, and going to heaven. It's about God of the universe entering into our spirit being, filling us with the Holy Ghost and power, filling us with His love, and just exploding His love in such a way, His joy, His peace, His patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, and temperance. temperance. On the inside of us, we have all these blessed manifestations of the divine character and nature of Almighty God so that you and I can rise up to a place that every single day of our lives, we don't go by who we are on the outside, we go by who we are on the inside. And that gets, you know what it does? It calms this man down on the outside. Give it a sedative. Put it to sleep. Knock it out. Well, Paul said, crucify it, mortify your deeds, and put on Christ. How am I going to put on Christ? By my faith, by what I believe, and by what I say. And I believe the truth, not the lie. Well, she believed the lie, and when she did that, she took off the image of God. She put on the image of the devil. And you know what? She took on his personality, just like Adam and Eve took on his personality. And they became fear-driven, self-driven and not Christ-driven or God-driven. And that's how they live their lives. And that's how we got taught from our early parents in the flesh, by that nature, how to live. And you know what? We're being deprogrammed and reprogrammed not to live that way anymore. And it's going to take all the faith that we have. Put on Christ. Look at these verses here. I know these are a lot of verses, but this is what this is all about. This is what this life is all about right here. Let's read them. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If you then be risen with Christ, and we are, seek those things which are above, and we should, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection, mind, will, and emotion on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead. What? You're dead. You ever try to pin someone that was dead? There's no ouch. There's no feeling. Did you ever try to reason with someone who's dead? There's nothing to reason with. We're to consider ourselves dead to self. And your life is hid with Christ in God. What a hiding place. What a wonderful, marvelous hiding place. So when Christ who is our life shall appear, then, you, then shall we also appear with Him in glory mortify, put to death therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication and cleanness and affection, evil concupiscence and covetousness which is idolatry for which things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience in the which you also walk sometime when you lived in them but now also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy filthy communication out of your mouth lie not one to another seeing that you put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man which is renewed, how? in knowledge after the image of him that created him put off this old man the old man was put on when Eve took off the image of God put on the image of the devil and took on his personality and began to manifest his character and all mankind did the same thing you know why you don't have to teach a two year old to, to lie or cheat or steal it's in bread it's in the blood that's my toy. You don't have to teach them to be selfish, right? It's there. It exists. But when they get saved, they have to be taught. You're not selfish anymore. The opposite of love is not hate. It's selfishness. And we've been taught to be selfish all our lives. That's why when you go to give someone something, let's say you're walking through somewhere and you're walking to a store, maybe in the Lord impresses you, pay for that person's whatever groceries or meal or something like that. And the enemy comes along and says, don't you dare do that. Then you pay for two people's meals. You say, you don't stop it, I'm going to double up on it. I'm going to give more. If he says, you know, give $10, and the devil says, don't do it. Don't do it. You won't be able to pay your bills, then give 20 
Amen. We're, we're to put off this old man with his deeds and put on the new man in Christ. And we're to be God inside minded, not devil outside minded. First John 4, 4, we know the verse, let's, but let's read it in this context. You have got little children, little children and have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that lives around the corner. Greater is he that sits on the throne. Greater is he that's where? In you. God inside minded than he that is in the world. You see, people want all, like I said, the spectacular, all the things on the outside, all the things happening that's out here and try to put all that together to make something happen when all along, where is it? Right here on the inside. Let me tell you something, a little bit of a secret, especially for married couples. Sometimes there's a distance created between couples because of not walking in love and that sort of thing. I wish my husband would do this, and I wish my wife would do that, and I wish she would act this way, and whatever. You know what we've got to do? Get before the throne of God and say, God, change me. Let your love invade my soul in such a way so as to my wife could look at me and say, I am so in love with you, and I'm so proud of you, and I thank God for what he's doing in your life. I can see the light of the countenance of the glory of God shining through your heart and mind. I'm telling you what, you're convicting my heart and my soul. You see, selfishness says, I want you to change for me. But love says, I'm changing for you. I'm going to let you see more of God in me. That, praise God, I can draw you to that love that you see. Amen. That's how we get people saved. Let's close with this. Satan's regret. I have to use this. I know it's a little bit longer tonight. That's okay. Is that okay? Can I get another minute from you? Satan's regrets and terrified devils and demons. I like that, don't you? In Matthew 8, 29, look what this verse says. You can just see this. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? They were terrified of Jesus. And why? You know why? Because he said, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I've not come to do my own will, but the will of Him that sent me. I've come with compassion. I've come with mercy. I've come with grace. I've come with power. And by the way, you've invaded a temple that belongs to the living God. Hallelujah. You've invaded. <laughs> you invaded this life that belongs to the living God. And you know what? It took me 4,000 years to get here, but I'm telling you right now, I am not going to allow you to stay in that person's life, so get yourself out. If you want to go to the pigs or the swines, go ahead and go into the swines, but I'm telling you, you don't belong there. Jesus modeled the very heart of God. He showed and demonstrated the very Father heart of God, God's compassion, God's love, God's mercy. Don't tell me it might not be God's will to heal somebody. You say that, you haven't read your Bible. You haven't read the Gospels. You don't know God to be honest with you you don't really know God someone once told me how do we know we're going to go up in the rapture all these people that are all the intelligent ones that are out there God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise all the intelligence that are out there saying we're going to go, got to go to the church has got to go through the tribulation you realize the church has been going on for 2,000 years you know what if we're going if he comes today or tonight and we're going I'm going to say resurrect all that died first so we can all go to, through together you want to go through the tribulation together? Is the church going through the tribulation? Oh, they're sure of it. They're sure of it. Well, then raise up all the dead in Christ and let them go through the tribulation. Because the church is not just us. The church has been going on for 2,000 years. And I told this person, they said, well, how do you know they're going to go? I said, we're not a point of the wrath. Well, how do you know? I said, because of God's love. Simple answer. I'm his child and he loves me. And I will not put my child through the tribulation for anything. We're, we're not appointed to wrath but deliverance and we're going to be taken into glory I don't know where that came from look listen to this devils are terrified of Jesus because of who he was on this earth and I mean to tell you they were absolutely trembling in his presence but also it's true that he defeated the devil himself with truth first and second with his death Look at Hebrews 2, 14. He defeated devils. He defeated the, the devil himself and demons. They trembled when they saw him. 
they should tremble when they see you. Before we read that, quick testimony. Can I say this? I say this not for me, but just for teaching purposes. Northside Hospital, my aunt's there. She's having surgery. And she says for me, well, I see her one day. She says to me, would you go see this little boy down the street? He's at, or down the next hall, down this room down here. Um, this boy has epileptic seizures and, and so seizures problems and mental pro issues or things like that. And I said, sure. Not then, because he was having a procedure. I was going to come back the next day and see my aunt. Well, I'm walking in front of the hospital. I begin making my way up the stairs. I get up there. My aunt says, he's in that room down there. Go down there. And I walk to the room. And the lady looks at me and says, are you Bill? I said, yes, I am. How did you know? I thought maybe my aunt said. She didn't say who I was, didn't say my name was. She just asked me if I'd go see him. Five minutes ago, which would have been the time it took you to get up to where his room is, my son said to me, Bill's here, and he's coming to pray for me. Demons know who you are. Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Remember? How'd that boy know my name? Was never told my name. How did he even know I was already there five minutes before I walked into the room? That's a spiritual world out there. Let's read the verse. For as much then as children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise took part of the same, that through death he might hurt, ruffle the feathers of, he might what? destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage notice a twofold thing his three driving forces are to kill to steal and destroy right still kill and destroy those three thrive driving forces in the devil's life you know what it did it motivated him to kill Jesus. And little did he know it was to his doom and our deliverance. By the death of Jesus, he just basically made his own grave. And through the death of Jesus, we've been delivered. Well, I ask you this question. Did he die? Did he rise again? Is he alive right now? Then, as I said, we don't need deliverance. We need truth. People that are out there that get delivered every other week, they need to know, you've been delivered once and for all. Why don't you embrace that truth? Let it rise up in your heart. Start saying it every single day. Oh, it's just you. I remember, I think it was John G. Lake or it was Smith Wigglesworth. Woke up in the middle of the night and all of a sudden, the devil himself was at the foot of his bed. He looked up with his eyes wide open and said, oh, it's only you. Went back to sleep. It's only you. All right, let's close it with Ephesians chapter 6. Because he couldn't defeat the devil, his focus is on you and me. He wants to blind us, keep us in the dark. Are you listening? Tell us lies and deceive us like he deceived East in the very beginning. Tell you you're not good enough. Tell you you're not going to be able to make it. Tell you that God's not pleased with you. Hogwash. Don't believe what he says. His goal to get us to believe who we are outwardly and not who we, who we are inwardly. We are saved, healed, delivered, set free, and made whole. Inwardly, it's on the inside. We want to get to the outside. Work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Finally, this is from the New Living Translation. A final word. Be strong in the Lord, not in yourself, and in His power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies, strategies, mindsets of the devil. Notice, it's talking about mental activities of the devil give him no entry point you know when we give him an entry point when we say yes i must be oppressed or we say yes i can't pay my bills once again this is not a name it claim it message this is you believe in your heart and say with your mouth with who you are in christ it's the best way to do it like this if you need if you need to do this spirit and soul over here body over here Warfare taking place. Missiles going back and forth. 
The flesh wants to control. It's warring. It's waging war against the spirit and soul. It wants to capture the soul. It was so used to teaming up and budding with the soul. But the spirit and soul are over here. And we're getting renewed in the spirit of our mind. We're putting on Christ through knowledge of him that created him. We've got the image of Christ on the inside. And once again, you can tell whether someone's educated or not. Are you worthy? Well, I will never say that. Oh, really? We've got a lot of talking to do. Because somebody made you worthy and you don't know anything about it. The devil will hold you in bondage and blindness if you let him. Start declaring it and decreeing. I'm not trying to get what I already have. I already have it in Christ. It's been done. It's mine. It's yours. We're complete in him. Ready for that verse? Colossians 2.10. We are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. We are complete. I am complete. You are complete. What's a, a complete package deal in Christ? You don't stop me. I'm not going to stop. Stand up. Let's worship the Lord. <laughs> Glory be to God.